Hello, so before this episode of Flailing Kermit starts, I just want to let you guys know that the beginning of this, we were calling it like the Toy Box Show. I didn't really love that name, so later I came up with this name because I feel like it shows that we can be enthusiastic about things. You know, Flailing Kermit, he is passionate, and so that's kind of why I came up with the title of the podcast. We're just going to cut right into me introducing everybody, and then yeah, you guys will listen to the rest of the podcast, so there you go. It says recording on this computer, so I think hopefully that works. If not, then this podcast will turn into Batgirl. <laughs> oh, <laughs> fucking God. So today we've got some guests, some hosts, some writers on the Toy Box site. We've got Jared. Say hello, Jared. Hi. Hey, everyone. How are you doing? We've got George. Say hello, George. What are you talking about? My name's Tristan. <laughs> <laughs> that was me doing a Tristan voice. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm so, not Tristan. Don't worry. This is your first time tuning in to Toy Box Ever. Um, Tristan is another host that will be on this podcast occasionally. <laughs> You needed that context in order to understand anything that was just said. <laughs> this is good. We're starting well. And now we've got Lester. Hey, yo. Yeah. So today we're going to be talking about our five favorite movies of the year so far. It is the end of August now. Summer movie season has wrapped up. We're about to get into the fall, which means our lists are about to entirely change because most of the good movies come out in the next four months. But... With that being said, we've had an exceptionally strong um, first half of the year for movies. I think we could agree. Um, uh, I think it's been exceptionally pretty strong, right? Yes. I I think there's been better years, in my opinion. I mean, like, I, like over... How am I going to explain this? Like, there have been better years. Like, I'm looking even at, like, next year's schedule. I'm like, okay, that's a good, like, at least summer movie season. Oh, the like January through April always kind of suck for movies, in my opinion. But yeah, but the January through April was like exceptionally strong for no reason. Is yeah, because ninety nine percent of it was carried by everything everywhere all at once. Yeah, which I mean, we'll get into. I'm sure. Um, yeah. So we'll be talking about those um, favorite movies of the year so far. But first, what has everybody watched this week? So we're gonna just go down the line. Tell me something you've listened to, read, watched, something that made an impact on you, whether positive or negative. We'll start with Jared. Ooh, um, I am currently watching a very underrated show on Apple TV Plus called um, Trying. It is very much in the same vein as Ted Lasso. It's heartwarming and it's even very British. It is about a couple who realize that they can't conceive a child. And so it's their journey into adoption and the British way of adoption and doing things and their love and figuring out the foster system and just opening my eyes to just how complicated it is. It's very, like I said, um, very, very comparable to Lasso. It's heartwarming. It's funny. It's got really great characters. Um, but instead of focusing on a soccer team and focus on this couple and their families and the many adventures that they go on and season three is going to be wrapping up soon. And so I'm, I've just been catching up with my family and it's just been a really great show. 
Awesome. Now we'll head to you, George. What's something you've watched, listened to, thought about this week? Um, well, uh, one of the films I watched for the first time this week is uh, this movie called... Uh, well, I didn't watch it this week, but um, this movie called Exit to the Gift Shop, which is a documentary. Banksy, yeah, it's Banksy. It's about the um, graffiti art artist. It, it's a movie I've been wanting to watch for a few years now. And I got the chance to recently, and it's I think it's probably my favorite documentary ever made. Um, it's just a very insightful um, look into the the graffiti art world, but also it like has this really interesting turn. It ta- it like shifts perspectives halfway through the film, and it's a really like very shocking turn in a way, but like at the same time, it just makes total sense, and it makes for a more thrill kind of thrilling entertaining movie it's uh very darkly funny in a way and uh it's a very interesting character study on not just banksy but this other person this movie is uh talking about um i won't you know say because you know with spoilers but like it's really really just that um amazing um and i watched another movie called uh cure the uh kiyoshi kurosawa film it's uh uh imagine if uh it's the like it feels like a concept to a haruki murakami story or novel if it were like developed like directed by uh david fincher is is what i'm saying which, you know, I, I don't know what that says to listeners, but um, it's a very uh, bleak and uh, grim movie, like a lot of Fincher's films like Zodiac and Seven and uh, even Gone Girl to a degree. Um, uh, Girl the Dragon Tattoo also. Um, and it just has this really... Uh, kind of fascinating uh, concept, and I I think I I I don't know that I fully absorbed the film, but it is a pretty outstanding work. Nice. And another thing that I've been kind of doing, um, I've been kind of going like I'm starting to think I'm starting to like kind of get um, ready for a Beatles retrospective where I'm going to listen to re-listen to all their albums and stuff. And I'm kind of developing a take about Rubber Soul being better, being their best album, which is something that I might have to talk about on a future episode, because I know that's a take. Um, I actually agree with you. So we'll talk about that later. <laughs> that's a whole other thing we get to another time, but that is a very based take. That's what I'll say. And Lester, what have you watched, listened to, examined this week? What's something that has been on your mind? I have been spending all my time finishing Neon Genesis Evangelion. And let me tell you, that shit was depressing as fuck. (laughs) (laughs) I just started it. So I'm, I I don't know if I'm ready. Yeah, I'm 12 episodes in and I have been for two years. So I'm going to (laughs) finish (laughs) it. Oh yeah, like, one of the top reviews on Letterboxd for it was like, this shit went from boob jokes to existential terror really quickly. <laughs> yeah, that's essentially... pretty much it. 
that's pretty much it. As, is there so? And also, like just... I watched uh cinema today, uh George Miller's new film, Three Thousand Years of Longing. Yeah, I also watched that today. It it was. I guess I guess we could say it was cinema with a question mark, right? No, it was cinema with a uh, what's that thing? <laughs> exclamation point! Yeah, an exclamation point! <laughs> <laughs> okay. So for me, yeah, I also watched 3000 Years of Longing. Um I am very mixed on that movie. I uh I'm a huge George Miller fan. I even like um Babe Pig in the City. I think it's underrated and a very interesting movie. Um 3000 Years of Longing is like three kind of really compelling movies squished into one and I think they all get compromised because of that, but there's still certainly a lot to admire about it and I would say go see it in theaters to be honest. Like I would recommend it, but I don't know if it's good or not. <laughs> so that's that's my uh, cautionary tale. But what I want to talk about this week is the rehearsal, which is my yes. favorite thing that I have watched this year. Um, I would put it above every movie that we're talking about today, which is, I know, uh, take. Um, but this is Nathan Fielder's show where he pretty much tries to rehearse life. He puts people together in a room and he tries to examine every potential thing that could happen and rehearse things out so people can kind of confront life already knowing pathways they could take in order to get through a difficult situation. It's very hard to explain on a surface level because it gets even deeper and more complex. It's kind of funny, but unlike you know Nathan For You, which I think is potentially the funniest show on television it's a lot darker and it gets a lot more existential. And I think Nathan Fielder is finally becoming more and more vulnerable. Um, We saw it in finding Francis definitely, but throughout Nathan for you, you know, he's definitely playing an Eric Andre type of, of character, you know? And so now it's, it's interesting to see him become more real. And the show is beautiful and cathartic and, it is one that will make you laugh and then cry in the, in a myriad of seconds. And if you know me, all my favorite media does that, you know, the BoJack Horseman fan. Um, so I really did appreciate the show and also teen suicide released a new album and it slaps. So you should definitely listen to yeah. that. Yeah. I forgot to mention the rehearsal when I was talking about my thing, but like that might be the best first season of a TV show I've ever seen. Like no cap. Yeah, yeah. I well, Freaks and Geeks is up there too, but they only had one season. Yeah, yeah, that doesn't count. It's so it's the same with Twin Peaks. It's hard. Oh yeah, yeah. But it's definitely up there. It's one of the best first seasons because it's also a thing that's like, unfortunately, a lot of my favorite shows pretty much end after the first season. Like, um, I Over the Garden Wall doesn't count because that naturally concluded. And uh, Midnight Gospel only had one season, unfortunately, but that is also a, a 10 out of 10 show. But yeah, um, so that's some of the stuff that we've watched, we've devoured. I don't know. That's a really weird way to describe it, but we're going to go on to. Um, In a year of fresh and bones and all, it's not having a theme of cannibalism, I guess it works this year. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We've devoured it just like Army Hammer did. So um, we're going to oh, go. Oh, fucking God. <laughs> do, do you know that? Okay, there was that Luca article I was reading, an interview with him about mainly about bones and all and how he's ending his next movie, Challengers, on his 50th birthday. And the interview was like, hey, do you know, like, 
by like casting Timothy in a role, you kind of revealed like the connection of him and Army Hammer and Army Hammer being a cannibal. And like, he was like, dude, I don't, his response was, was like, oh, I don't look into social media. I just casted Timothy because he's part of my family. And <laughs> I just saw him as the character more than anything else. He was like, okay. <laughs> That's that's great. We love Luca. He's like such Luca a genius. is a genius, and I yeah. can talk for hours about "We Are Who We Are," which which is his masterpiece. Yeah, but yeah. I mean, Suspiria exists, so there's that. Did you like it? What? Did you like Suspiria? Yeah, I love Suspiria. I, I oh okay, that's it's my favorite. Thing. That's my favorite thing he's ever done for sure. Oh okay. <laughs> Oh, I think it's Tristan that hates it, right? Yeah. And then Ashitaka doesn't like it as well, or just laughed yeah, at it or something some like that? We have some very passionate haters of that movie in the chat. No, I think it's the second best horror film of the last 10 years. Uh, I put The Lighthouse in number one, but Suspiria is definitely number two. Um, so, well, speaking of which, because we're I'm going to get into another one of Robert Eggers' movies in a little bit. Let's talk about our top five favorite movies of the year so far. As we examine, I what I'm always curious is how many of these stay on the top ten by the end of the year. You know, and yes. So we're gonna. I think it'll be a cool time capsule. Be like, here's our five right now. Let's see what stays. So, anyways, we'll start off with Jared. Jared, what is your fifth favorite movie of the year? My fifth favorite movie of the year is Top Gun Maverick, directed by Joseph Kaczynski. I'm not good with names, but um, great dude seems like um, this movie. I mean, if anything, I'll just have the memories of how much it blew up on our pop culture, just timeline and just worldwide impact. And now we're still getting um, news about it, like climbing the highest grossing movie charts. How a sequel hasn't been announced yet, I don't know. But Hollywood's going to work as magic. Wouldn't be surprised by the end of the year. Anyway, it was such a great, thrilling movie that I just loved. Brought audiences back together. And just like my whole family loved it when I took them to see it a second time. Um, you have Tom Cruise, like the one of the OG, like, I know we talk a lot about how movie stars are dying. Well, not like we, but like I think society and pop culture society as a general. And so I think it was, there was that aspect you can talk about, about Top Gun Maverick, about Tom Cruise coming back and kind of bringing that nostalgia. And I think also since the first movie is like what, 25, 30 years old, bringing like him back and also kind of questioning the age old of like, oh, Maverick's getting old, and what does that do, and what what Maverick has to do for the future. And then, of course, the new recruits are a bunch of fun. Um, just the things they do in this movie with the jets and and the fire pilots and the fact that the, the team of new recruits in the movie like actually had to train to do that, I think is pretty remarkable. And I just admire that entire team that worked on it because there's no way that making that movie was a walk in the park. I'm in awe. I'm, I was thrilled. I laughed. I had a good time when I saw my friends. It's Pearson, my baby. Awesome. So now, George, what is your number five of the year? 
Okay, so I'm going to go in a bit of a different direction than uh, Top Gun Maverick, um, which, uh, spoiler, is not going to be in my top five. Shocker and shocking. Um, my number five is Vortex by Gaspar Noe. Uh, he Now, Gaspar Noe, of course, is known for making really edgy, kind of controversial films. And, you know, they're all very experimental. And while Vortex is certainly experimental, it's not an edgy, controversial film. It's, you know, very akin to something like Amour or, you know, The Father, um, just kind of about, you know, old people. Um, and the, uh, the gimmick that he uses um, is uh, showing split screens of their um their daily lives um the, the main characters daily lives and how they kind of like contrast and how far apart that they are because i think the reason that he chooses to do split screens is because like he wants to say they're so close but they're so distant at the same time. And I think the way that's captured is really interesting. And, you know, I love how it's, um, it kind of like explores, like this is life at the brink of the black void that is death. And that's why um, the movie is called Vortex. It's like, it's going to be a vortex into just, you know, death. Um, and it's certainly very existential in that, in that way. Um, what's interesting is that Gaspar Noe came up with the idea for this movie after he had a brain hemorrhage in early 2020 that nearly killed him. And so like, you could tell like, oh, this is, this is a very personal film for him. Like he's clearly had a lot of put a lot of thought into this. Um, and he put that onto film and you can definitely see this is his most personal work. And I think it, it really shows. Um, you've got the two lead performances. One of them is from Dario Argento, the director yeah, of the original yeah. Suspiria. And he's like, like I, I mean, I don't know if he's ever acted before this, but he is like fucking great in it. He's fantastic. It's actually like kind, like kind of blew my mind. Um, the other actress in the film, whose name I'm, I don't remember off the top of my head, is also excellent. Um, and uh, I think. Uh, the production design of this movie and in a similar way to you know the father and like more as well to kind of fit into that little trilogy of films about old people um kind of adds to the claustrophobia of it and also like disorienting the audience in a way and i think it adds it certainly does add a lot to the movie and um, yeah, it's just really, really 
um, poignant and very well made and does a lot with the um, split screen um, thing that he does. And uh, yeah, that's um, that is uh, Vortex. It's a very like like you, you may not like Gaspar Noe's other movies, but there's a chance that you might like this one a lot. So I'd say give it a shot. Yeah, I've heard it's definitely like the least controversial of his films. For sure, yeah. Which is interesting because like the dude is known to make the most twisted movies potentially ever <laughs> in a lot of ways. You know, like Irreversible or like oh, yeah. Void and Climax it, and all that. So, And to be clear, I love his work. So like I'm not I'm not saying that as a negative. I'm just saying it's very like they're all very edgy and controversial for the most part. Yeah, for sure. So Lester, what is your number five of the year? And yo, my number five of the year is Top Gun Maverick. Nice. Same as Jared's. Uh... It was like a like as soon as I as soon as the opening credits started, I was like, oh, I'm in for a ride. As soon as like that that. Top Gun theme started playing, and then it transitions into uh, Danger Zone. I was like, holy shit, this is going to be one of the best movies of the year, and it delivered. It was like, like what Jared said, like, Tom Cruise is like one of our last movie stars, and like, he delivered his brand of like, he, he's, he knows what he's good at, and he delivered, and he packaged it into a Top Gun legacy sequel that that's so much better than any legacy. That's so much better than and it has any right to be. And like, it, it's so thrilling and it's so wonderful to see how how that movie is has connected with so many people. And it's like one of the few that or boomer movies that I would I really love. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. I just love like I feel like it's the one thing that like we can all bond over. Um, I don't like because I know George isn't like huge on it, but I haven't heard of like one single person that's like, I hate Top Gun Maverick. Get a Top Gun Maverick out of my lawn, you know? Like, <laughs> I've not heard that person. God like, fucking damn it! <laughs> but you know, like, like the majority of people, like the the worst thing I hear about Top Gun Maverick is someone that's like, oh yeah, I was like, all right. And the fact that we can make a movie like that is pretty impressive, to be honest. Because things are so divisive, you know? So, but yeah, I also want to say that my number five is Top Gun Maverick. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> I'm the outlier here, everybody. <laughs> um, No, this movie was such a blast and I've seen it in theaters twice now. I'm concerned to revisit it on DVD because I do feel like, or DVD, what era are we living in? Um. <laughs> Because I feel like this is such a big screen theatrical event. It is what Martin Scorsese described as a theme park movie, but in the best conceivable way possible. I, it feels like, like it's so practical and it's so fun and it's so whimsical in a way. It, it has that sensation of like seeing Raiders of the Lost Ark in theaters or something. It's, it's thrilling and it's immersive. And I think in a world where we are staggered with so many superhero franchise blockbuster movies, this one comes at a at a time where it feels really nice just to watch a movie about some guys flying pa- planes 
and you know um defending each other and having fun and fighting to save the day and ooh, murka you know like i i feel like like there's something that is sincere about that type of filmmaking that we really don't see anymore because everything is so cynically made and so i do feel like this this movie comes out and it's the most uncynical kind of just like it it feels like it like how do i describe this exactly it feels like classic movies in the way of like it feels like there's something new even though it is a legacy sequel of top gun but it feels like like the people who are making this really just want to provide an experience. Like Jared said, they haven't announced a sequel for this or anything like that. Cause I really just feel like this was supposed to be its own little contained thing. And there's something so charming about that. And I, I really admired that about the film as well. I think it does have a really good commentary on the last movie star and kind of how traditions pass through Top Gun and Top Gun 2. And this build this builds upon the original in so many good ways. And like, I'm I'm a fan of the first film, and this film just improves on the first film in every conceivable way possible. And so like, we don't get many sequels that do it quite like that. And the fact it came out like 30, 40 years later, and it's like this good is, I don't know. It, it's kind of a miracle of a movie to be honest. And uh, we'll see as it gets nominated for like 10 plus Oscars. <laughs> yes. <that's> yes. Because <laughs> <laughs> I really think that movie might sweep, which is going to be really interesting. I don't even don't know comment. if it deserves a sweep, but I feel like it might. Um, even though I love the movie, obviously it's been number five of the year so far. I think it'll stay in my list. I don't know. I mean, that's, we'll see. It's just, here's the thing. Usually, a movie like Top Gun Maverick, I would say, is a lock, but like so many good movies are coming out within the next few months that it's really hard to say that anything's a lock outside of like my top two, which is weird to say, but you know, it is as it is. Anyways, so Jared, what is your number four of the year? My number four is Cha Cha Real Smooth, directed by Cooper Raff, Rafe. I always use last names you guys. <laughs> um, saw this at Sundance, got hyped, got a ticket, um, and it was, like, amazing. <laughs> it's just the fact that, like, Cooper is, like, what, 23, 24, and he has two movies under his belt, and one of them is with actress Dakota Johnson, who's, like, really popular, you know? And, like, it just blows my mind that he was able to make this. And also just make a film that was like, hey, were you ever in your 20s and like had no clue what you're going to do like ever? And then he like acted on that feeling. And so, of course, it was great. Um, I think just like every little detail so perfect coming of age drama. Um, I do want to highlight one thing that I that I really like that a lot of people aren't talking about, which is just the brother relationship he has with a younger brother and a plot point that goes throughout the movie about like having a girlfriend, I guess to say, and not to get into spoilers that just was just really cute. And just, it's so good. And I love that one of my favorite like services, Apple picked it up and hopefully people are still continuing to watch it and have a good time. Um, 
and I'll just end this by saying that I will be casting Vanessa Bergat against so I about that last time who plays Lola, the daughter of Dakota Johnson's character in the film. Um, cast her in everything. Cool. Yeah, she's delightful. And yeah, I need to watch that movie again because like I am in that specific spot in my life right now, 100 percent um but i really liked it when i watched it it, it hits it's a, it's a great film george buddy boy what is your number four of the year okay so uh my number four of the year is a uh film that i'm sure lester is going to have higher uh rrr yeah. uh this is what i wanted top cut maverick to be to be honest <laughs> um i'm not going to justify that statement um it is so much fucking like raw awesome like fun like this is the shit that i want marvel to be just like completely unhinged like fun time you know this is an actual fun time and that's not to say that it doesn't have you know, heart or characters in it because it does. Um, But it also has a man unleashing several jungle animals onto a crowd of uh, British soldiers um, and playing with fire. And also has a man shooting a motorcycle on fire into a British uh, fort. And it is just incredible absolutely incredible um the chemistry between the two lead actors is um astonishing pretty amazing um it's it's interesting that um they're both based on real people but those two real people never actually met in real life um but I don't th- really think it matters because like this is the type of movie that's just like fun, 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 all that, all that jazz. Um, the uh, it's a Indian film, it's a Telugu film, uh, so naturally there will be some uh, dance sequences, and those dance sequences are, you know, top notch. Um, not to not to best original song getting the campaign going um there's um oh man there's just so much fun to be had here like i think i like i i said this in my letterbox review but i think i like legit clapped more than no way home i i think i like i think i'm not even kidding when i when i said that um it's just and i watch it with people too so like it made it a lot more um, fun, but honestly, I feel like I could I could watch it by myself and still have, you know, the same amount of enjoyment out of it. So yeah, that's uh, that's my number four. RRR. Nice. I will be talking about that movie in a few minutes, but first we'll get to Lester. What is your number four? Okay, my number four is uh, Robert Eggers' The Northman. The Northman? The Northman? I don't know. Anyway, it's uh, it's his longest film by far, but like he, he gets a bigger budget to do whatever he wants with no like apparently it was like there was a longer cut, but like the studio made him cut it down or something like there was studio interference on it, but like it does feel like his vision 
true and true. And it's like an epic Viking saga unfolding on the big screen. Like there's like Viking mythology in there, like Valhalla and the uh, Valkyries. But like it's also played straddles the line between like myth and reality. Like is is what hap- is what happening on screen actually real or is it just a figment of the character's imagination? I I really like that aspect of it. And it's like and it feels like it's shot it's shot on location with actual practical sets and it feels like this kind of act this kind of like filmmaking is rare this these days and I like appreciate it so much for it. And I saw it and I think it, I like it even more than I should probably should have because I saw it after unbearable with a massive talent, which I was very underwhelmed by. <laughs> That is interesting because I saw them both on the same day as well. <laughs> and I don't like Unbearable Weight. And I really like The Northman, not to spoil my list in a few minutes. But yeah, that is an interesting comparison because I did the exact same thing. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, thanks, Lester. My number four of the year is also RRR. Um, this movie's Bananas. This movie is the best. And unlike John Campy, I watched all three hours of it. <laughs> <laughs> and, Drag his ass. Yeah. Okay. So, like, this is off of a rant. Okay. Look, it you can like and dislike whatever. I, I don't I don't care. Okay. But if you are known on the internet as the film commentary guy in quotations and you go man this movie that has language i can't understand in it is a little off kilter for 15 minutes i'm gonna shut it off you deserve all of the criticism that you're gonna receive just don't don't he 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 literally says okay Oh, this one man took down like a thousand soldiers. That's not realistic. This man saw Shane Chi five times in theaters. Okay. There's giant dragons in that. Okay. And I'm not saying that like he can't not, not enjoy that. Like that's not what I'm trying to say here, but I'm saying he loves movies that are fantastical and crazy, but no, RRR is a little too crazy for him, but giant dragons are, that's where I'm going. Like there, there's something seriously messed up with your thinking about this regardless. That's not what I'm here to do. <laughs> RRR is the movie that should scare Hollywood because it is kind it is showing that you can still make movies with this much passion and vigor to them and you can make an epic like this on this scale and keep people invested. The one thing that I've been so happy to see is how successful this movie's been on Netflix. How many people have responded to it? And it is the fact that this is a three-hour Bollywood movie. This movie should have not done anything. We oh. should have never heard about this movie. Correction. It's not Bollywood. It's Tollywood. Tollywood? Apologies. <laughs> but it is the idea that this movie is getting the mass acclaim, which, number one, I think we have to give it up for Netflix for really pushing this movie. Um, that's a really, really cool thing for them to have done in the first place. Um, so props to them for doing that. But number two, the fact that like people are unlike John Campia, so open to this film and seeing <laughs> its 
wild imagination. It's creative action. It's pure energy. This is one of the well, most well-paced films I have ever seen. Three hours feels like 90 minutes. And it is crazy that they're able to do that. But there's so much in this movie. And there's just so... And it keeps its momentum for that long, too. And again, it is one of those, like, these big action epic movies that like you know Hollywood used to be known for making that really has kind of fallen under within the last few years and it feels like there's a real passion for the material they're making it doesn't matter if they burst out in the song or if they dance it doesn't matter if they catch a motorcycle on fire and throw it at a fascist head you know it's (laughs) the response just says whoa this is really cool and I really love the fact that they went with that but also there is something that this film has to say about community and bringing people together and kind of this links that you will go in order to find self-fulfillment in a certain way. It has a lot to do with friendship and even like where those lines between betrayal and understanding and tribe come through, you know, in, in a really compelling way. And so um, RRR, it, it rules. Um, that's what all three r stand for rules 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 <laughs> the movie goes hard <laughs> that's all i gotta say so number three we'll start with jared what is your number three of the year um my number three is one that i don't think a lot of people on this group have seen except jasmine but i'm not sure at this moment uh, and that is fire island directed by andrew on um it is a story about a group of queer friends who go to was this well-known queer um, vacation spot called Fire Island over in, I think, New York. Um, and it's basically um, a modern day retelling Pride and Prejudice. I think like a clueless or a 10 thing is I hate about you, but like very of this age and very diverse and modern. Um, and I'll just, and like, of course, I just loved it being queer. I loved the, the diversity behind and in front of the camera. Um, Fire Island, the place is basically its own character. And the cinematographer, Felipe Vera de Rey, gives it like this gloss, nostalgic feeling to it because there's also like a plot line about this may be the group's last time being on this island and how. I was talking about how community, especially the gay community, so much of it is about chosen family and that that are together through thick and thin. On top of it just being funny as heck and it being a romantic comedy, so you're going to get those tropes that I love so much. And it just is so well done across the board. Um, It's a Searchlight Pictures film. it's on Hulu. I would say check it out. It kind of, it it sucks that it wasn't given a theatrical release, but um, I would say check it out definitely before summer ends, as that was a very specific summer vibe that I don't think gels well in like November. But yeah, <laughs> excuse me. I felt that cough coming and I was trying to hold it and then it went out. Okay. Anyways, should I just keep that in? Yes. I didn't hear. Oh, did you not hear my cough? I heard it. Like the ending for me. 
Oh yeah, yeah. Well, thanks, Jared. Yeah, I have not seen that one yet. Um, yeah. <laughs> unfortunately, because kind of kind of did go under the radar when it came out, which is you know, it, it was. Yeah. Also, I think that's one of the bad things about streaming, and it's so like kind of for a niche audience. But hey, everyone be open to different types of films. Then, yeah. So, George, what is your number three? Okay, my number three of the year is uh, happening, which is the uh, it, it was um, one of the um, movies that was almost submitted by France for the Oscars last year. Uh, it was not chosen and it went to Sundance this year. And um, uh, this movie is pretty scarily relevant um considering a certain supreme court decision that um we we all hate um and um if you've seen the film or if you've seen the films uh four months three weeks two days and uh never rarely sometimes always you kind of get have a vibe for the plot and even like kind of the filmmaking style of those movies, um, and happening is telling like a very um, similar story, but in a different way. Um, it is uh, really about um, how dangerous. It, it can be to actually get um, an abortion during those times. And, um, you know, there's different, um, you know, there's differences like four months, three weeks, two days involves, you know, you know, certain like, uh, I, I don't want to like spoil four months, three weeks, two days, but it, like it involves like if, if I do this for you, you have to have sex with me because it's a man performing it. And then never rarely is like, you know, you're kind of, you know, leaving um, home for a while. And also it's in the modern day. Um, and with this one, it really kind of focuses more on like just how difficult it is to get one and the consequences of, getting one that is on like the black market which is not safe and that's unfortunately something that's going to be happening a lot in america um in the next coming years and i think this movie emphasizes that aspect more than the those other two films do and you know, it also tells it tells a similar story, has a similar filmmaking style, but it's like, well, it's all been done before. And to a certain extent, I get that. But one, like I kind of like explained, like if it, it emphasizes more on just how difficult it is to get one and how unsafe it can be. Um, but also like. Unfortunately, there's just people who just don't understand, who just still refuse to except um women's rights and abortion rights 
And so like, we have to just keep telling the story again and again until people finally understand it. And, you know, that's not ideal, but it's, 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 it's just the reality that we live in. Um, and I think this movie really kind of showcases the case for it um, really, really well. Um, and I think it's a very um, brilliantly crafted movie in a way. Um, I love the aspect ratio, the uh, fact that it was shot on film. Um, the performances are fantastic and the writing is um, also uh, phenomenal. Um, it's based on a book that I have not read, but um, I think you can tell that there was a lot of attention to detail in the script. And um, that really helps with um, bringing it alive. Um, and, but overall, I think it's a very, it's, it's something that is very relevant and something that you need to watch. Um, it's a, not considered like one of the best movies of the year by that many people, but I think it's really special and I highly recommend checking it out. Yeah, it's like one of those movies that I feel like everyone who's seen it has been like, whoa, this is like remarkable. But then there's like people like me who are like, man, that just seems like a really tough watch. Like, I'm not going to be walking around any afternoon and be like, man, it's time to really put on Happening right now. But I also <laughs> get why movies like that can be because I feel like movies need to tell stories that are impossible to describe. You know, they need to like tell stories about people who we overlook and their own struggles, no matter what position we take, you know, I feel like we should open up to people's stories. And I, I think that like, it is like you said, important, especially in these difficult times to empathize and understand each other and how difficult it can be, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so Lester, what is your number four? I mean, number three. I can't even keep up with the le- the numbers. <laughs> oh, sit down. Let me tell you my number three. It's a very personal pick, but like it's not surprising if you know me. <laughs> it's turning red. I, I may have overrated it by giving it five stars, but I don't give a fuck. <laughs> but like this is the fr- I wish this was the first Pixar movie I would have seen back in theaters, but instead we got Lightyear instead. Uh, so that's fun. <laughs> but ba-da, ba-da, I fuck Lightyear. Was, All my homies hate Lightyear. Here's the I, thing: Training Red's gonna be more memorable to this next generation more than Lightyear could ever be, and so that's what's important. And <laughs> I en- like going look, I, I enjoyed Lightyear, but it doesn't feel like a Pixar movie. Like it doesn't it, have that Pixar oomph there. Yeah, it felt generic as anything else. But like anyway. Turning Red was like a one of Pixar's best movies in like years. Like I know they had so like two years ago, but like I think I but this one was like so much better. I'm sorry, Brad, but like Turning Red, I just love Turning Red. That's and it's rough. like it was my favorite when I saw it. It was my favorite movie of the year. And I thought to myself, there's no way that any other movie would top it for me. But it only stayed number one for like two weeks before a certain other movie came along. (laughs) (laughs) 
But <laughs> the new rent, it was, it was like a religious experience. It was it, same with like Encanto and same with like my number one movie of the year. It deals with like generation tra- generational trauma for like uh, it's deals with generational trauma, but it also empathizes with the empathizes with the parental figure too like because like we don't just see this movie through the point of view of like the kid we also see it we also see why the mom is the way she is and you kind of feel for her and like you you understand why she's kind of overbearing and a little too like clingy i don't want to say clingy clingy is not right but like, like a little too clingy towards her daughter but like if you grew up in an Asian family, you would understand that feeling. And it's just so wholesome. And like Domi, like I hope Pixar gives Domishi everything she wants to do in the future. Like after Bao, like she should just do whatever she wants. Yeah, 100%. I th- I, I've said this. I think um, people agree with me. They're starting to agree that Bao is like my favorite Pixar short by like a mile and a half. It's mine too. And uh, I really enjoyed Turning Red. It's not on my list, but I thought it was charming and adorable. And it, I was about to say, is it my favorite animated movie of the year? Oh, uh, well. So far. I, one, well, I'm not going to say for me, technically, if one counts, that's coming up on my list, if you catch ah. my drift. But yeah. my number three of the year is one that Lester actually mentioned earlier. And that is The Northman. Now, earlier in this podcast, I had mentioned that my favorite horror film of the 2010s is Robert Eggers' The Lighthouse. I think it is a perfect movie. I think it is a flawless movie. I think it is a masterpiece. And I think Robert Eggers is genuinely up there with like David Lowry as one of my favorite filmmakers right now. And he is three for three for me. I thought The Witch was fantastic. I think The Lighthouse is a masterpiece. And I think The Northman is about close to perfect as you can get for a movie like this. Um, this movie, I saw it in Disney World, which is an incredibly weird sentence to say, <laughs> um, on the Dolby screen at like 1030 at night, right after a shift at Mission Space. And <laughs> I told some of my uh, my uh, <laughs> co-workers, you guys want to go see this cool movie with me? So there was about like 10 other workers for Mission Space and we all sat there and watched The Northman and I think I traumatized people and it was fantastic. <laughs> Base. <laughs> After the movie, um, some of them looked at me and they were like, what the heck was that? And I was like, art? <laughs> but a few of them thought it was rad, so that's cool. Um, but this movie has probably still the best cinematography of the year robert eggers has such a good lens he has such a good vision and what i love about him is how he doesn't compromise anything like lester said there he did say that they had to take some scenes out of this which i'd love to see a director's cut because like watching the movie i was like it is surprising that focus left the movie the way it is like this because this is a completely unconventional film. It really doesn't play out in a traditional narrative. And ultimately, like, as a story, it's pretty... I mean, it's The Lion King, you know? But it's, like, the most brutal metal epic version of The Lion King you could ever imagine. With a lava fight that 
makes the scene in um Star Wars Revenge of the Sith look like Boss Baby 2 family business in comparison. Like it's epic. <laughs> that is like the word I can describe this is it's epic. It is it makes me want to go outside, scream, pick up a hammer and smash something. That's like the feeling I get from this movie. It's so cool. And Bjork is in it and she's a she's a witch. Like, how is this not the coolest movie you've ever seen in your life? You like, don't lie. This is the coolest movie you've ever seen in your life. <laughs> Those it's, are my thoughts on the North. <laughs> it's not on my list, but it almost made it almost makes my list. It's a, it's Northman's I... awesome. <laughs> it is rad. That's all I have to say about it. And again, it just like proves that like I think Robert Eggers' next movie is a Nosferatu movie, and that thing's gonna slap so hard. I cannot oh, yeah. wait for that thing. The dude could direct my life. <laughs> I would let him. How, how could you not watch um, uh, that last fight scene in the movie in the volcano and be like, that movie sucks? Like, seriously. Yeah, no, it's so operatic and it's so grand. It's like overwhelming, especially on the big screen with Dolby surround sound. Like, it is one of like the most euphoric movie going experiences I ever had. Like, I would just say, oh my gosh. The Vikings are speaking to me. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it is. This movie's insane. And again, it was one of my most anticipated movies of the year, like easily. And it lived up to every expectation I could have had for it. So like, you got to give it that too. So yeah, The Northmen. Um, le- epic. So epic. <laughs> number two now, oh, we're going to start with Jared. Um. So what is the word for a bad miracle? Well, according to my number two pick, it's Nope, directed by Jordan Peele. When press was slowly starting for this movie, because, of course, this movie was shouted in mystery, um, Jordan Peele said he wrote it during, like, 2020. He's very worried about the state of cinema, and he said he wanted to wanted this movie a spectacle and holy cow is this movie it uh, just chills the entire time I was watching it and the horror but the spectacle but the sibling bond again bringing that up from Tata Real Smooth and then now this and nope um, really hoping this year continues with sibling dynamics I guess and while providing a good, a very, very good popcorn experience, Jordan Peele also is asking the audience, what, what is our view on spectacles and age where we can look up police body cams or that have grown up with 9-11 on the TV? And what does that do to affect our psyche and society as a whole? Um, and then just also just gets ready to make an entire generation super afraid of clouds. I'm like down with that. Like let's <laughs> like we're down with cloud fear. We're empty cloud now. Yeah. Oh here we go. I don't know you guys hear me? Yeah. yeah. I was yeah. like did the cloud eat <laughs> No. <laughs> it like I, it muted me for some reason. Oh, interesting. Okay, I'm going to keep on talking. Um, it's And also just... Van- oh. 
Uh-oh. Again? Dude, the cloud is really not liking Jared. Jared, you're muted again. I'm not doing... Oh. What the fuck? <laughs> Bro! Hello? Hello. Yeah. Hi, Jared. Hey, yeah, I'm... I'm, like, not touching anything. Interesting. I think it's the cloud. <laughs> the cloud. Wow. Yeah. The cloud is homophobic. Dude. What the heck are you okay, doing before you? I run out, Hoi Van, Hoi Tima, 10 out of 10, love his cinematography. Um, nope is great. I love it. And um, we should be talked about, like, by the end of the year. I... Oh my gosh, I just can't stop thinking about it. Um, everyone's great. Jordan Peele's great. Um, when I went to Universal, this movie, Universal Studios Hollywood for my birthday, this movie's being promoted like it was the next Marvel movie there. And I just love seeing that for someone like Jordan Peele, especially for an original movie like this. Um, if this is one step forward for Hollywood, let's keep making movies like this, big mainstream movies like this. I am so in for the future. But Hollywood be like, nope. Sorry. <laughs> God fucking damn it, Brett. I, I also really enjoyed Nope. It didn't quite make my five, but it is a ton of fun. Uh, same. And Gordy rules. Oh, nah, yes. that traumatized me, though. <laughs> <laughs> That's my there's favorite scene in the movie. Yeah, there's like one detail. It's a spoiler, so I can't say on here that I just found out that like blew my mind about that movie again like i don't know if like you can edit it out and i'll just share it really quickly here we but, can like, just we you can tell us after we record just because okay we, sounds good yeah. yeah so yeah <laughs> sorry <laughs> I, nope I everybody nope nope yes. is dope nope is yes nope is yes that's right Nope, more like, yep. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, and Kiki Palmer um, should be an Oscar nominee, but I know that's not going to happen this year, but I will speak into existence. Kiki Palmer is so good. She should be nominated for Best Foreign Film Short Subject. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but she be, like, uh, so Wait, good. Is that even a category, Foreign Film Short Subject? No. <laughs> Documentary Short, shot, short Subject. <laughs> Film short. What would that? Okay. Anyways, um, George, what is your number two of the year? Okay, so um, full disclosure, uh, this is a movie that has not yet been released. Um, it is not a test screening movie. It it's been seen. It has reviews, but I saw it early. Um, it's this movie called After Sun which uh, screened at Cannes this year as part of director's Fortnite, I believe. Um, it got the best reviews out of Cannes. Um, like, well, so many people were saying it's the best movie to play at Cannes. And um, I would say that those reviews, based on the few Cannes movies I've seen, which are like, you know, this... Crimes of the Future, Top Gun Maverick, Elvis, and Broker. Um, like I think that that's warranted because this is a very um, 
it's very much akin to something like come on come on um it's done you know similarly to something like uh moonlight um as well um which is interesting because this movie is is uh produced by barry jenkins and his production company um which you know that, that that actually makes a lot of sense um this uh film features a n- number one um a breakout performance from uh frankie corio i think that's her name um she's like 11 or something and she is absolutely fucking like amazing in it um it also features a really amazing performance from paul mescal um who some people probably recognize from uh normal people and he's he, he is incredible in it um and gorgeous um yes uh, 100% yes oh my gosh <laughs> yes um and the whole movie really is just it has so much to say about connection and you know memory and like how do we cherish um growing up how do we cherish like our loved ones and i'm not gonna go into like a whole lot of detail because you know there's not even a trailer release for it. i just got the chance to watch it early um but it really is one of the best movies i've seen all year and i think it um it uh, really deserves um, a lot of uh, attention that it probably won't get, but, you know, it is playing at the fall festival. So if you have the opportunity to see it at like TIFF or New York, then like absolutely take the opportunity. It is very worth it. It is like one of the best movies of the year. That's my spiel on it. Nice. nice I just nice. want to say, uh, I just want to say, um, if you guys want to check out George's Letterbox, it's a review for that movie. Like, maybe so hyped that I don't think any promotion material will ever be. So definitely check it out. <laughs> we plug in George's Letterbox here. Uh, yeah. Letterbox.com. <laughs> uh, we'll type in George Eret in the search. Find it. Follow, like, subscribe, smash that like button. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> You're doing the next influencer thing. Ring the ring the bell. <laughs> ring the bell. Like Christian Rainey's gonna show up. <laughs> it's gonna be a party. Yeah, buddy. Yeah, baby. I quit my job. I quit nursing oh school. I started detoxing on sweet tea. I better get all oh, so many letterbox followers. <laughs> For um, all three people in our audience that have seen The Next Influencer, I really hope you appreciated that bit. Um, <laughs> Lester, buddy. My yes. man, my boy, my influencer. Yo, I hate that word. <laughs> <laughs> what is your number two of the year? Oh, my number two of the year. Uh, it's a little movie. I don't think anyone heard, anyone's heard of it, but it's been mentioned on this podcast earlier. It's called RRR. 
<laughs> yeah, it's just a like, tiny little movie. It's a tiny little movie. No one's seen it yet. I'm the only one who's seen it. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, all jokes aside, this is like spectacle. Like spectacle with a capital S. Like I wish I would have seen, I wish I could have seen this on a big screen, but like my dumbass thought it was like, uh, because like I went when I walked past it when I when I was like going to watch my favorite movie of the year for the fourth time, <laughs> I I walked past the theater that was showing it and I was like, oh, the movie's title is kind of the title is kind of weird, but like it looks like another Indian movie. And I wasn't interested in it. But then after like I seeing all this like support online, especially from Patrick Williams, like he was hyping this movie up so much and he released a great video on it. I watched the entire video and I was like, hmm, maybe I should see this. And like it came on Netflix. It came on Netflix like about a month and a half later. And I bit the bullet and I watched it and I was like, holy shit, this is one of the best movies I've ever seen. No cap. It's like like George, like George said and Brett said, like it has two best friends growing up against the entire British army. <laughs> <laughs> and, like they single-handedly defeat the entire British army with just like their hands, and like it's so crazy, it's so out there, and it's so but it's so pure, it's so earnest in its spectacle. It's like SS Rajamuli just wants to make an entertaining movie for three hours. And it's one of the most fun three hours you ever experience in your life. It's if the the three hours fly by so fast, and it it's so much better if you can get get a group with you to watch it. Like hearing the reactions of your friends would be so worth it. Yeah, that was such a great group watch. We watched it together, okay, and that was so fun. That was just like an experience. Um, I felt like we bonded. Like I felt like we went to church. And we watched RRR. <laughs> it was it was great. Um, but yeah, we we all stand RRR in this household. I will protect it. It is my baby, John Campia. Get away from my baby, um, John Campia. Get away in general. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. So my number two is a movie that I am um, kind of ashamed nobody has brought up yet because it is like maybe the greatest film ever made, except for my number one of the year. Um, <laughs> But it is uh here. Let me do my impression. Mm-mm. Hi, I'm Marcel, and I'm a shell. <laughs> okay, I, I, I love terrible. it. Ten out of ten. <laughs> no, I love it. Ten out of ten. Do it again. No. <laughs> um. No. Whale jet ski. Um. <laughs> anyways, um, Marcel the shell shoes on. I've seen three times in theaters. <laughs> oh my um, goodness. I don't do that very often with movies. This movie really struck a chord with me. Um, I think, so, interesting thing about this movie, it is the last movie I saw while I was in Florida, and it's the first movie I saw when I came back to Missouri. So I kind of bookended it like that. And I think I meant to, because the film's universal theme is about having to deal with change. Marcel is this adorable, quirky little character who we figure out throughout the film has dealt with immense loss and change within his life and it is him learning how to adapt and i believe that 
the message and core of this movie is so fundamentally important for kids to see and it was fundamentally important for me to see um i think um the grandmother character nana Cotty, is one of my favorite characters in any movie i've ever seen there's so much many layers behind that character and there's a scene where they're at the windowsill and um marcel says something like um, but what if everything changes and Nana Cotty just says it will. And every time that scene plays, I've seen it three times. I cry. Um, it is such an emotionally powerful movie and it's bizarre. Cause these are talking seashells. <laughs> like these are, these are the junk drawer. You know what I mean? But like, it does that beautiful thing that Pixar used to do so well before they released Lightyear. Um, where <laughs> uh, objects and like physical things where you would not think to that you would that you would feel for them that you'd have emotion for them and it was able to humanize them in a certain way to where the stories ended up being about us it's not about talking seashell but it's about us having to adapt to change within our lives whether that be what happened with COVID and maybe that changed our job situation or we lost someone from that, or it could be in any sort of life, like what's gone on in the political sphere or personally with again, loss. And I think this film shows that adaptation is an incredibly hard thing. And, but once we get adapted to something, it's very hard to take on new challenges and it's not because we like where we're at, but I think us as humans, we get comfortable. And when we get comfortable, we do not want to get uncomfortable because it is human nature to stay comforted. And yet, if you don't get out of your zone and you don't get out of your comfort zone, um, then what's what's the point of living? You know, and I think that's a that's a big thing that Marcel tackles on is this idea of like if you're going to be afraid that no matter what next choice you do, it's not going to work out for the best or it's not going to work out the way you think it's going to work out. Then like, what are we still even doing here? And I think that is a very powerful message in this movie that is so tactile. It's so beautiful. The cinematography is, is immaculate. Same with the score by disaster piece. He also did the score for bodies, 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 which is great. Um, And the world building is so creative. They've thought everything through in the care, just the characterizations too. And this, the whole setup is so unique. I love the fact they took these like short little cartoons. It very much reminds me of the Ted Lasso effect, you know, like Ted Lasso was like the skit that they made for NBC sports. And then they made it into this show. That's a masterpiece. It's the same thing with this. They took these like little like cartoon YouTube skits people thought were funny and they got tattoos on their legs because they thought it was funny. And now it's like this emotional complex film about adaptation and change within our nature. It's just like, it's, it's mind blowing. And again, it's just, it's, there's nothing quite else like it. And I, I love whenever films are revelations like that. And again, I, it's, it's one that I'm going to like probably watch three more times <laughs> at least. <laughs> So, like, I, I love this movie. It's just a warm blanket of a movie for me. So, yeah, that's my number two. Get that Blu-ray. <laughs> uh, I'm so excited, of course. I even made my own Marcel character. It's in my bathroom right now. I know. I love it so much. 
His name was Markel, uh, and he committed tax fraud. Um, darn. Yeah, but he's um, a good boy anyways. Yeah. To be honest, it was at number six, so it's still like in my top ten overall. Um, yeah, it's a very good movie. Very, way more emotional than I was expecting going in, so yeah. whiplash. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it, it's, it's like unarming, for sure. Disarming. I, Unarming, I, I can't speak right now. I will say my my show is very interesting because I went to see it during like the five dollar Tuesday or something like that. So like the theater is actually full with kids, and so I'm like, oh, this is so interesting because in my mind I'm like the area where I'm around. It's not like soup. It's no. It's never going to be a New York and L.A. crowd. So I. I just had the feeling like, oh, the parents saw a PG movie about a talking shell, take their kids to go see it. And so I'm very, I would very interested what those kids thought and how they, it's like, I think there were some laughs at points. So I think they, they liked it, but that always be a curious thing for me about that showing. Yeah. I'm, I'm very curious about that. Cause like the showings I've been to, the first showing I went to was a A24 screening. So it was sold out because it was an A24 screening, you know? So it was like film fans were there, but the other two were pretty empty. Um, and yeah, I'm very curious about what kids response to the film is because I think it tackles weightier things, but I don't think the film is like, it's not like talking down to them by any means at all, but like, it's not talking up to them either. If that makes any sense. I really feel like, yeah, the grasp what this film's about. So I'm, it, I'd be very curious because I, uh, I went one time at the Alamo draft house. I saw where the wild things are in theaters, which we you know anything about me. That's like one of my favorite movies ever. And <laughs> I went with my mom and like everyone else in the theater were like these family with these kids, you know? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, of course. <laughs> But the kids, you can just tell, were so thoroughly bored. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that move, that, that, it's a straight up an art house movie, right? So like in the middle of the movie, like yeah. kids are running around, <laughs> throwing things at each other. And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> I should have expected this. <laughs> so, yeah, anyways. I, what? Yeah, just like one more thing before we move on. It's just like, I just love that movie doesn't like, like, it, like I love movies and media that like takes kids seriously. And it's not like, uh, well, this is a kid's movie, so let's do a fart joke. It's like, kids know what's up, you know? Like, I think, like, Come On, Come On is also a perfect movie. They, they, if they didn't drop a couple F-bombs, I mean, I feel like that would be, like, perfect. Like, not perfect. Uh, like, it's good. Like, I would show, like, my eight, nine-year-old kid if I have one. Yeah. You know? And, like, uh, anyway, yeah. Yeah. So now we're going to do number one, but here's the thing. It's we all we, we all have the same number one, okay? Yes. Absolutely. So on the count of three, let's just say it. <laughs> okay, let's do and it. We'll, we'll just say the one next like, part of this podcast word. talking about why this is maybe the coolest film ever made by humans. So, anyways, on the count of three, one, two, three. Father Stu, everywhere, everywhere all, at once. all at once. Wait, yeah. my number one is Morbius. <laughs> oh shoot! <laughs> no, it's Father <laughs> Stu. So we it's got Father Stu. Stu. We got Morbius. Mine's men. Um, but, <laughs> Andres is probably minions. Yeah, <laughs> Rise of Gru. And Tristan is probably fall. Yep, yeah, Jinx. <laughs> <laughs> no. 
No, mine Shippendale Rescue Rangers for sure. Oh man, that was a cool couple of weeks. <laughs> that, that movie still rules. I will still go with a bat for that movie. It yeah. Cool. <laughs> Anyways, so our number one of the year is Everything Everywhere All at Once. I say, how do we start? Let's just all go through our personal experience watching this movie and it um, completely um, blowing our minds. And then we'll talk later about everything about this movie. What I just said made no sense. Jared, you start. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, wow. Like an experience. Same, I, I, I consider this showing of everything everywhere and Nope to kind of be like the same the same in terms of like theatrical, like jaw on the ground. Um, everything ever that was more of like, oh, they're doing that and they're allowed to do that and they just went for it. Oh, and they're doing that. Oh, and then my mind just being blown every every second. Um, I truly think, I will just say this, if for some reason evil of the world does not allow everything ever again nominated for like nothing at the Oscars. I think film Twitter and any like 20 year old film fan will go to the Academy and, pers- and personally burn it to the ground, to be honest. Watching a jihad, don't put that energy out into the world, please. We need <laughs> okay. to be optimistic. Okay. Um, <laughs> everyone, Oscars everywhere, everything, all at once. Um, yeah. <laughs> And it's just so funny how like big Hollywood tried to do a multiverse movie with Doctor Strange and just failed by every aspect. Um, I truly need to see it again. I've only seen it once, but yeah. I'm hopefully to get the movie like pretty soon. And I just can't wait for that second experience. Um, love the team. I just am so in love with the creativity that they just dared to do it and to have fun and then also talk about generational trauma and like I I want to give specifics but I also don't want to give spoilers but I think just like rocks are iconic now because of this movie um hot dogs will never be the same thing again like come on now <laughs> uh I just love it I love its creativity I love it love it love it yeah, for sure. So now, George, what what are your thoughts on this movie? I mean, obviously, we all love it, but like uh, going into it, your response, anything you have to contribute. So I went into it not really knowing anything, to be honest with you. I didn't watch the trailer. I didn't really know what it was about. Um, I knew I kind of vaguely knew what it was about. Uh, I just knew. Andre saw it first and he was like, guys, this movie is like actually uh amazing. And 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 then I think it was Lester who saw it. No, and Brett. Said, uh, then Brett who saw it, and then Lester. And then I was like, okay, well actually Tristan might have been the first one to watch it out of all of I us. I think Tristan was the first one. He dropped a five on it because I remember all of us being like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> um so then I went and I, I watched it with uh, my brother in the theater. And like 20 minutes in, I was like, this is cinema. Uh, this is this is cinema. And 
I I remember just coming out of that movie like this is everything I love about cinema. And that is something that I don't say about a lot of movies. Like genuinely. Um I very rarely come out of a movie thinking this this is what I love about movies. And here it just it, it just happened. It just really wowed me in that way where I was like this is something else um I uh you know immediately just had to be like what a fucking movie um and we talked about it for a long time I remember um and then I watched it again um, and it, it got a very different response out of me um, the second time I saw it. Um, not in a bad way, um, necessarily. It's just like the first time I watched it, it was just like, oh, this is really fun. And I'm just blown away. The second time I saw the movie and like kind of like knowing where it was going, I ended up like crying at multiple points in the movie. And it's like, you know, it's almost like, why the fuck am I crying over rocks with googly eyes and people with hot dog fingers? But then, you know, you kind of realize, oh, you know, this movie isn't just silliness for the sake of silliness. It actually has something to say at its core. It it has a, a beating heart. And what it's saying is uh, about about um life and family and you know kind of like dealing like emotional struggles and uh family dynamics is so poignant and powerful i don't know that like any other movie has done it in quite the same way and in a way that like the um upfront um absurdity of the movie makes it more emotionally impactful uh which sounds very strange but it's kind of how i feel about it and i i just like every time i'm reminded of this movie this is like this is cinema this is this is why movies are made. Um, this is why we like watching movies and we like talking about movies. This is the representation of of that. This is the type of movie that like a lot that like future movies should like aspire to live up to. It is just amazing one of the best um movies ever made I'll, I'll i'll even say that and uh i i mean i'm very excited for a lot of movies coming soon the, like decision to leave which you know i'll be seeing soon um i'm really excited for the sun and the fablemans but like i i have very high doubts that they're actually going to top this movie and uh yeah it's I mean, what else can I say? It's just, I, 
it is a revelation. It, it's just, yeah. <laughs> ah, so many words. Yeah, no, there's there's a whole lot. There's a whole lot to this movie. And I, Lester, will let you have the mic now. Um, some thoughts on everything, everywhere, all at once. Oh yeah, boy, do I have some thoughts. Um, <laughs> sit down, y'all. I'm gonna go on a long speech here. <laughs> okay, so like, I heard of this movie, like when it was like selected to be like one of the premieres at South by Southwest, and I saw the trailer and I saw that it starred Michelle Yeoh who's the pride of Malaysia, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she is the pride of Malaysia. I hope she, she wins the Best Actress Oscar. <laughs> but like, okay, anyway, I, uh, and then it started getting rave reviews out of South by Southwest. I, it, was all, it was on my radar, but I wasn't looking forward to it as much. But then, yeah, but then it get, got rave reviews. And then Tristan dropped a fat five on it. And then Andre dropped a five on it immediately. And then Brett dropped a five, and I was like, holy <laughs> shit, this must be something else. And then so like, but then it it start, it was like going white in like the middle of April. So I couldn't wait that long. But luckily, like one theater in B in Vancouver was showing it like two weeks or wait, like one week early. So I went out of my way to go see it. And I don't regret it. <laughs> it was like one of the most transcendent tra- tra- transcendental experiences of my life i like i felt like i was it was like pure escapist fantasy like pure maximalism it assaults all your senses but like it's like the good kind of maximalism like it is ah i'm lost for words <laughs> but like I'm a sucker for movies with like Chinese, like Chinese representation or like any kind of Asian representation. Like, like for crying out loud, my favorite movie of 2021 was Shang Chi. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but like this is on a whole, not whole other level. There was like little sprinkles of like cultural details in there that I was appreciate so much. Like when that scene when um. Jo- Joy brings home her girlfriend and her mom keeps referring to her girlfriend as he or him. <laughs> and then like, Joy corrects her by saying that Becky is a she. And then like her mom explains like, you know, in Chinese, there's only one word for a person, like a pronoun. Like uh, in Chinese, it's true. You don't, like you, technically we have like, separate pronouns for he and she but like when it when you speak when it's spoken it's the same so you can't tell if the speaker is referring to a person a male or a female but you can tell if it's written down but like it's, if it's spoken you can't tell but anyway i love that little cultural detail in there and then i watch it three times in theaters i was about to stop at three but then i managed to convince my friend to go see it so i went again for a fourth time with him and we both like were in sync with each other we both laughed we both cried at the same moments and like after the movie he thanked me for like recommending this movie to him and he was like grateful that we got to like experience that movie together and he was like saying like 
he was also saying like it's such a better multiversal movie than Doctor Strange. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I'll, pro- I'll probably expand on this movie more if Brad decides to do a workshop in humanity on it. But like, I, I've seen this movie five times now. I got the Blu-ray and I plan to watch it three more times to make it an even eight because like eight is a, ver- a very lucky number in Chinese culture. So yeah. Nice, nice, nice. That's that's interesting. So do you plan on like after eight times being like I can never watch this movie again? No, but I plan to watch it eight times. I plan to watch it eight times this year. Oh, okay, cool, cool. I was like, because that'd be a really sad thing. <laughs> no way. <laughs> <laughs> so everything everywhere all at once was a movie that was on my radar at the start of the year because I was a big fan of the Daniels' film Swiss Army Man. It was one of my favorite movies the year it came out. It's great. Um, so it's been on my radar. I'm like, oh yeah, definitely seeing that, right? We talked about Tristan. He got out of this movie. He messaged me and he was like, Brett, you don't get it. I just watched your new favorite movie. (laughs) He was like, just wait. He goes, this is like kind of everything that you've like have talked about wanting to do with your short films, you know? And I was like, that's interesting because if you don't know, like my short films are weird and surrealist and, you know, they, they try to have something going on outside of that. You know, that's that's definitely... So I was interested whenever he sent me that. And of course, you know, Andre had um, written the same thing. He was like, oh, this movie's insane. And also like, Brett, this kind of feels like something you would make. You know, and I was like, well, shoot. <laughs> so I got super excited for this movie. So as I had mentioned before, I was living in Florida when this movie came out um, at the Disney College program. And... Um, I met this friend named Abigail. They all know who Abigail is now, and we bonded over movies that we liked. And I, we talked about this movie and wanting to see it. And I was in my dorm room, and I randomly saw that this movie was playing on the IMAX two weeks before it was supposed to be scheduled. It was a premiere thing, and I was and I checked my schedule and I had the day off. And I was like, holy crap, wait a minute. <laughs> so I immediately called her and I was like, Abigail, do you have this day off? And she was like, yes, I do. What's up? And so I told her, we're like, well, we got to go do that. So we spent the day in Universal Studios and then Ubered over to everything everywhere all at once in the IMAX. The theater was packed of people, like pretty much sold out. And I experienced this movie in the IMAX, <laughs> which is... One of the coolest movie-going theater experiences I'll ever have. Um, that'll forever be a top five. Um, it was absolutely insane. And I remember we both stepped out and just kind of looked at each other. And we're like, oh my gosh, like, what did we just see? <laughs> was that the coolest thing we'll ever witness? Like, what is the point of even going <laughs> to work <laughs> the next day after experiencing this, right? And... Um, then I saw it again with my friend Paul a couple months later because I kept telling him about it at work and I was like dude you have to see this movie like you don't get it and we walked out and his quote is and he wrote this on his letterboxd this movie is a six out of five there's nothing wrong with it (laughs) and so and what's interesting so the second time I saw it was I would say in June so this movie had been out for about four months maybe 
Yeah. Yeah. Four months. The theater was fairly full and it was all different age demographics, which I find to be incredibly telling about what this movie is doing with an audience. Which is why I don't think we even have to worry about it not getting nominated for Best Picture because it's hitting the demos. It's not just hitting us, which I think is incredibly interesting because this movie is so weird and it has such a unique independent spirit. And I mean, it is house levels of bizarre at times. But what I think this movie is a testament is you can make your movie as adult swimmy, as irreverent, as bizarre, as creative, as fantastical, as existential as you potentially can make it. But as long as the central thesis of the film is rooted in some sort of humanity, people will respond to it. And again, I think Pixar has proven this time and time again. And I think everything everywhere all at once disproves that if you have identifiable main characters within your movie, you can do anything with them and people will follow them through. And I think that is such a testament to this movie. And, you know, the central core of this movie is kind of the idea that we really don't get what's going on. And the idea of this movie is like, but that shouldn't stop us from trying to be kind to one another. And I think when you break down this insanely weird, bizarre movie, what transcends time and space is the way that we treat one another. And that being the idea and the central thesis of this film is so poignant and it it took me off guard the first time I saw it like I was like because you know this whole movie is like oh this is like weird surrealist stuff that I love but it the emotional impact of the film I thought like snuck up on me like very fast and all of a sudden you're like oh no this movie is like about something and you know it is about this despair that we carry but the idea that like you know we figure out that Wayman Wang like it is very his tactic of staying optimistic is to survive. And that is such a compelling point. And it's def- definitely something that I've related to throughout my whole life. And so I, yeah, I, I mean, I just immediately fell for it. I think it is so imaginative. They're, they Every single idea you could think of, they do twice. And the fact, again, that this is such a balancing act of a movie and they're still able to land the family aspect of it. The, you know, this is another movie about generational trauma, but it's not just about generational trauma. It's about how to overcome generational trauma and how to, and like growing in a way of understanding one another within the multiverse, understanding that you might think that you don't contribute anything, that you are, just a blank slate but there are so many versions of yourself that you could potentially channel to become your best self and yeah it's it's very trippy but it's just everything contributes to the larger aspect of humanity and i i I think that is the most breathtaking aspect of this film and again like we said workshopping humanity on this movie has to happen we have to make that work that's gonna be a necessity but um, this movie's a masterpiece. It's perfect. It's a 10 out of 10. It's an 11 out of 10. It's a 69 out of 10. There you go, Andre. We're 20 um, out of 10. What? 
420 out of 10. Yeah, 420.69 out of 10 for uh, everything, everywhere, all at once. And so, yeah. Um, any final thoughts on this film? Like, honestly, like we... Uh, I, I just, like, once again, just love the creativity and the expanding the borders of what we think possible in terms of, like, oh, a movie has to be this way and it can be just so, like weird and zany and just so thoughtful as well i do want to point out because i just made the connection that um the three main casts that played um wayman joy and evelyn um they are going to be in a disney plus show called american born chinese that i think is going to get a big push at the d23 expo in like two weeks um i feel like the show's going to be like a spring time set release and so hopefully because all three of them are in that show that could also help with like oscar that's a huge stretch of course but if that can help them bring back oh yeah they were awesome everything ever all at once um anything helps yeah yeah here's the thing here's the thing i'll say i it's a very likable cast and i think that's how coda won best picture is its likable cast right we were hearing stories yeah. like three weeks before Coda won when I was like, the Coda cast is invited to the White House. They met Joe Biden. And, you know, it's almost at that point where I was like, OK, it won Best Picture. Like, <laughs> we did it, right? And so like, yeah. I feel like I feel like stuff like that does actually contribute um, in a way that we don't even realize because it's like fresh in voters' heads, you know? But mm-hmm. that's a whole other conversation for another time. Yeah. Like, I do. I, I I agree with you on that front. I think that could be. Plus, I hope the show's good. Like, I think that's a cool. I I'm glad that these actors are getting work. I hope they they're there at D23 and I get to see them. I'll lose my mind. And I know Lester Ray knows about it, and we're both geeking out. And hopefully, we we will for sure get some news. I think in two weeks and just hype. Like nice. a show based on Chinese mythology is exactly my shit. Holy crap! And it, didn't you say Lester like um, Michelle Yeoh's character is like the oh, goddess? Oh, Michelle Yeoh's character like... is uh, the Buddhist god of compassion. Uh, I don't remember the English name for the goddess, but I know the Ch- the Mandarin name is a uh, Guan Ning. Guan Ying Yang Yang, <laughs> which translates to Guan. Guan Ying, the lady, something. <laughs> it's like it's gonna be fine. It's like a very perfect. It's like perfect casting. Yeah, that sounds great. I'm very excited. So, uh, <laughs> excuse me, sorry. Oh no. <laughs> um. I think that's going to wrap up our episode of the toy box podcast episode one. Thanks guys so much for coming on. Where can people find you? We'll start with Jared. Um, I am J movie lover on Letterbox and on Instagram. If you want to come check me out. Yeah. Yeah. What about you? That's not kind of weird, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you can find my letterbox, uh, George Eric. I, um, George Alex Eric on uh, Insta. And uh, Georgia era on music board, nice. How about you, Lester? Oh, 
my username is stupid, but whatever. And my username is my username with Letterboxd's country Lester 13. Don't ask why. <laughs> <laughs> and you can find me at skipper underscore Scott. There I have links to other things we do. You know, Toy Box underscore productions is the page. And you're probably on the YouTube page already. So yeah, it's Toy Box Productions. Toybox.com. You can see all of our stuff. Um Follow the cinephile underscore chronicles on Instagram. It's a fun page. Um, <laughs> and yeah, you can always find me on Letterboxd. I'm just at Brett Scott. So. And thanks, guys, so much for listening, tuning in, listening to us talk about um, some like incredible movies. Once again, I really think this has been like one of the most solid first halves of a film year ever, in my opinion. Like I usually don't have this many movies I'm passionate about at this point of the year. You guys agree on that? I don't know. Yeah. 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 I, I, I feel like I'm only really like really for everything everywhere and nope and like a little for Fire Island and as it goes down. Yeah. Um just for me though, it's still like it's always this fall season where it wraps up and everything gets there's a new movie every weekend and it's fall season and yeah. <laughs> yeah and we, we like we we adore fall season and like i i think like if you're talking about like summer blockbusters you know like it was definitely lackluster like i think top gun was like really the only one that delivered to be completely honest but like for like different type of movies like i think it's been strong so i think that's kind of cool um anyways so talk to you guys next time um stay classy i don't know <laughs> <laughs>